Hey, it's Jen. And this is Britt. And this is Take Your Damn Shoes Off. And we're not going to ask twice. How's it going? It's going good. The weather is currently very sunny out. Um, and for Seattle, that's a very good thing. Everyone yes, has been yes, in a great mood. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to be here with you and record our next episode. And... Uh, when I was reflecting on our last episode, I was on the internet looking for icebreaker questions, and I found this list of 36 questions that psychologists put together, and it's meant to induce closeness between two, like a romantic couple. Ooh. But I <laughs> thought that it'd be great for us to ask each other these questions yeah um, to increase closeness yes (laughs) so yeah I think that'd be fun okay I'm ready for it yeah all right so the first question is given the choice of anyone in the world whom would you want as a dinner guest and I guess it could be someone who is alive or not (laughs) well I'm gonna say Rihanna Okay. Because she's a boss, and obviously, like, if she was my date, like, she's stunning, she's gorgeous. (laughs) And I'm always inspired by her fashion, so I'd be like, what is Rihanna gonna dress, you know, wear to see me? (laughs) Yeah. And and I would also ask her, what does it feel like being a female on top in her, in the various industries that she's in, like, makeup and fashion, even you know, clothing and music and all of that. Yeah, I completely agree. I love, love, love Rihanna. And this is going to be totally controversial, but I think I think that Riri is the queen. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really like that. Okay, so do we, are we both seeing Rihanna? Well, I am... I'm going to have to go with ASAP Rocky because you're already bringing Rihanna oh, and I'm okay. inviting myself to your dinner party. <laughs> so we can both see Rihanna because ASAP's with Rihanna. This is going to so be a double date. A two, it's a two for one. <laughs> Perfect. We're looking out for Rihanna. I know. We're looking out for each other too. <laughs> yes. <if we're> really... <laughs> All right. So the second question that I'll be asking you today is, would you like to be famous? And in what way? No, um, I would not like to be famous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, because when I think of famous, I think of, like, being able to, like, having my face out there and, you know, being all over the paparazzis and social media and all that. But I would prefer to be more low-key and maybe have my work be famous but um, not have any strings attached when it comes to like that constant pressure of what people think about you and and judgments and all of that. Um, but yeah, so so I'm gonna say I'm gonna stay more behind the scenes. What about you? I am the same way. I don't like the idea of being famous and all that goes along with fame so but I do love writing and I love art so if I were to be famous for anything it would be as a writer but I would use a pen name um you'd be a ghostwriter I'd be like a ghostwriter or have that pen name 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I could write one of Rihanna's songs. <laughs> <laughs> Her next song, which we're all waiting for. We're actually already ghostwriters for Rihanna's songs. Shout out to Riri. We love you. No, I'm Rihanna's ghostwriter. You're, you can be ASAP Rocky's ghostwriter. <laughs> all right, guys. Um... Stay tuned for our next episode because we have about, well, we have 34 more of these questions and we're going to be doing, should we do two each episode? Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Yay. Hey guys, welcome back to our very first episode. Um, We really appreciate the love and all the feedback that we received. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. We love doing this and we loved working on our intro episodes so we wanted to make sure we took the time to make sure you guys were really engaged in our um, first episode and um, make it fun so for this episode um, Jen I'll be asking you a round of questions surrounding the topic of the Asian American identity but it's gonna be fun yeah but there's a twist to it um, I'm only going to be covering three topics because the Asian American identity is such a broad, like it has such a broad range of topics we could cover. So, yeah. yeah, we could talk about it forever. Yeah, a whole season. And so <laughs> um, we for this episode, the first topic is going to be community. The second topic is going to be career. And then the last one will be dating. So it's going to get juicy in yeah, there too. Yeah, going to be fun. <laughs> All right, so are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Um, also nervous. You got this. <laughs> I got you. Um, so there's, out of those three, the community, career, and dating, which topic would you like me to ask you a question on first? Um, I'm going to go with community for 100. Okay, all right. Community for 100. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. It says, as an Asian American, do you often find that it is difficult to build or find community outside of our ethnicity? That's a good question. Uh, But for me, I grew up in Southern California, so I already had a pretty diverse group of friends. And it actually wasn't until recently that I've learned to embrace my Asian American identity. So I've never really had an issue connecting with other people. Yeah, that's, um, I can say kind of the similar for me. I grew up in a white majority uh, setting. Yeah. And it wasn't until I wanted to escape that, that I went to a community college that was the complete opposite of my high school and I was able to find um a lot of meaningful friendships and lasting friendships yeah um, to this day that's been outside of my ethnicity yeah actually I'm gonna take that back because uh like I said I grew up in Southern California but my dad moved us up to Washington he was in the military and um when I was about 15, when, when I was 15, and it was v- predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So I did have quite a bit of an issue um, assimilating myself. Yeah, to the white standard. <laughs> to the white standard. So that was pretty hard for me. But growing up, it really wasn't hard 
until I moved up to Washington and really tried to assimilate. And I've never wanted to be white so bad, but that's a, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> for a different day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the intent behind this question was, you know, I was thinking about um, my Korean community and how we have to recognize that there is hate. Hate is what hate on all sides, all cultures, all skin colors, whatever. And I feel like there's this kind of, like Koreans are pretty closed off. We kind of stick with our own tribe. And um, like, I don't know a lot of Koreans that hang out with other ethnicities, even other Asian ethnicities, you know? Mm. So um, I know like we, we embrace them. We know, you know, we're constantly around them, but um, this might apply more to the older generation too like my parents' generation, but for myself, um, I've found that because of that, I've wanted to kind of reach out more, and I've wanted to, um, you know, we are in America, this is a melting pot, and we all kind of have to realize that we're not going to be the only ones here, and especially as immigrants, we have to acknowledge that, so I think coming together and building strength and you know their strength in numbers um that could be something really powerful and I think it is happening today but I think there is still room for um improvement and and we there's still room for more discussion on this absolutely yeah so um all right that was community for 100 (laughs) Oh, wait, did you, so you had, um, a difficult time, um, like fitting into the white standard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. I actually hated all of my, um, middle school, high school experience. And that was unfortunate. Of course, there were great memories that I had for myself, um, with my friends, but for the most part, in terms of fitting in, um, that really wasn't a thing for me. For like from an early age, I recognized that I was not white and that I was different. And there were a lot of neg- negative connotations to that from what I had perceived. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't ever feel like I truly fit in with the white community if that makes sense yeah it does so yeah I looked everywhere else and and here I am today (laughs) um but yeah so what uh should I do ask you the next question no 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 no, no. oh you're you're the the facilitator yes I yes you were the star of the show okay you were the contestant So that was since community for one is 100 is gone. That leaves us with, um, would you like to continue into community or branch off into a different topic? We have career or dating as well. Uh, let's do dating this time. Okay. Dating for 100 is what has your dating experience been like for you or how has it shaped your identity? Another good question. <laughs> um, oh, I 
have to think about that one a bit. How about we move on to another question about community? And we'll have to okay, we're going to come back, back to, to the that. dating. Yeah. We're not ready for that yet. <laughs> I don't know how. I thought those intimacy questions were supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, really. I just don't know how that, I've never really thought about dating and how that relates to my Asian American identity. Hmm. Okay, so my intention behind this question was... Ooh, that would be helpful. Yeah, like, for example, I'm very aware that I'm an Asian woman, you know, Asian-American woman, and there are certain stereotypes, um, especially in this virtual world, where all you see are pictures on Tinder, your bio, you know, all that type of stuff. I want to make sure that nobody has a fetish nobody is seeking me out because of their weird disgusting fetish that's true so that shaped a lot of my dating experience because i have encountered so many men who have an asian fetish and it is disgusting it's like that's absolutely it's very objectifying and degrading first of all because that is not who i am (laughs) at all um but Yeah, um, there are some explicit stereotypes that we will not cover today, but yeah. But we know, we all know what we're talking about. Yeah, you guys know, okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this, I just, something along the lines of that, you know, I I don't know if you've encountered anything similar. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, As an Asian American woman, I, I think that's synonymous with hyper, being hypersexualized. And I think that that has really shaped my apprehension with dating because you're right, we are viewed as someone's pleasures, someone's like fetish. So I, I totally agree. Um, dating's hard. <laughs> dating's hard as it is. And um, being afraid of just being hypersexualized makes it exceptionally harder. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, as sad as it is, um, even our earliest beginnings as for Asian American women, um, it, it roots back to the sex slaves that were brought over. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, for whatever reason, um, a lot of stereotypes that have come out of that and that have carried on into today, um, specifically from white men. But we're here to take back our power today and to say no. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, especially for me. Like, I want to make sure that people really want to get to know me for me as the full experience of me being a woman and not just because I am, like you were saying, somebody else's sexual pleasure. So... Yeah, get to know us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everything you said is exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm having pretty bad brain fart right now. It's okay. But Retrograde is happening. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, let's. Should we move on to the next question? Then? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, all right. So, uh, next question for career is: as an Asian American. How do you think the model minority myth has affected your career path? Or more so, how do you think it, the model minority myth has affected other, others' perceptions of your career path? 
first and foremost, let's start off by saying that, well, acknowledging that the model minority myth is, um, are we, okay, are we cool with cursing on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's we're, we're bullshit. Our, girl, our <laughs> podcast is named Take Your Damn Shoes Off. <laughs> Say it. Yeah, it's bullshit. And it's been detrimental in every aspect of our identity as Asian Americans, um, as people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, that idea is detrimental to how I'm perceived because I'm supposed to be this hardworking person who keeps my head down and does what I'm told, or I'm supposed to be exceptionally smart. Mm -hmm. And when I don't live up to that, it's, I'm considered less than. Right. Like, what are we now? Are we a failure? Yeah. (laughs) I'm already a failure in the eyes of my parents. So right. Exactly. (laughs) You're always a failure (laughs) unless you're a doctor. Or a lawyer, <laughs> or a pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think the way that it shaped others' perception of, you know, my career path is, yeah, there's expectations for me to be extra smart, for me to be always right, because, you know, we and to always crunch out numbers, but how it shaped my perception of my, uh, my own career path is... I'm f- I'm a, a lot more aware now that um, there's this traditional career path that is encouraged by our parents, specifically yeah. our um, immigrant parents, and yeah. I don't want to be a product of that. And I've realized I've had to sit down and think about, okay, you have a business degree. What are you gonna do with this? Like, do you really have? Is this what you really want to do? Do you want to work a nine to five job every single day, Monday through Friday, for the rest of your life? And I really had to sit down, and you know, I think, like, being an Asian American, I never really gave myself that time to think about what are my hobbies, what are my passions, yeah, and, like, what do I really want to be? Yeah. Um, according to our Asian American Asian American parents, um, artists are not. It's not a job. To it's be not an acceptable. Okay, <laughs> we will get our ass beat. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like, I-, I think this question, like, a lot of you guys would be able to relate to this, and like I tell my younger brother who's in college who, for pre med. Because he's just smart, okay? (laughs) And that is truly what he wants to do. But I just let him know, like, hey, listen, man, like, I think that's really awesome. I'm always going to support you in whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, this is going to be your life. And you're going to look back one day and see all these other people, like your kids, pursuing art or et cetera. My kids. (laughs) And and you're going to be like, wow, I could have done that too. You might be like that. I'm not saying that you will be, but, you know, um, I think it's something that I wish more of my people could really think about. Yeah, that's that's really great advice to give your younger brother. And I don't think that he hears that or has heard that from anybody else. I mean, I hope my parents have told him that, but I know I mean, my did parents... they tell you? Oh, no. No, because I'm the oldest daughter. Hell no. I have to set an yeah. example. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and it's okay not to have 
A pluses in your report card, like you'll be fine as long as you don't, even if you fail this, these classes, listen, it's time to be woke. Like it's the school system, not you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that that was a pretty good coverage of that question. Okay. If you're ready to move on. Yeah, we'll go with community. Okay. Community for 200. <laughs> yeah. um, if we specialize in one thing, such as a resource um, or a value, it could be. Uh, like, if we specialize in that one thing as a community, what would it be? I think that as a community, what we bring to the table is our people. Our people are willing to do the shit jobs and whatever we do, we try to do it well. Hmm. So, and also immigrants, Asian Americans, and I think that it's true across the board uh, for all minority groups is that we whatever we do, we do it well, and we're willing to do anything. And we underpin the success of America, of this, of our society. Yeah, our people have done so much of the work that nobody else wanted to do, and has really been a part of the foundations of America. And yeah. I, I think it's time that we take credit for that. <laughs> I think so, too. Um, so, yeah, I think that our people is are our greatest resource. Yeah. Uh, To add to that, I would say perseverance, if, you know, as a value, I think we share that because we sometimes don't take into consideration our health, especially our mental health. (laughs) Yes. But whatever the cost is, as long as we get the job done, um, we take pride in that. We do. And I think that's a part of our, our story. Yeah. Also, I think that we do need to take care of our mental health absolutely (laughs) so we can we can we can kind of shed ourselves of the idea that we need to work 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 yeah um and start taking care of ourselves yeah i'm seeing it more like in our from generation to generation yeah yeah like you know, it's funny because, like, my mom will now tell me, like, oh, don't work too hard, you know, take a break sometimes <laughs> yeah. and enjoy life. But when I was younger, it was like, you get home, you study, do your homework, and then you read, and then you study more, and you read more, and you go to sleep. Yeah, times are changing. I mean, we love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, Jen, um, contestant, what question would you <laughs> like next? Um, we'll go with dating. For okay. 200. Dating for 200. <laughs> As an Asian woman, are there any red flags you look out for in the dating scene? Yeah, I think that going back to our conversation about the fetish, fetish, <laughs> being fetishized, <laughs> um, I think that uh, anything relating to uh, Asian fetishes is a red flag. Yeah. That's number one in the book, for sure. Um, Is there anything else? uh, Hmm. I have to think on that more. I think that at the forefront of my mind, it really is just the 
the being fetishized. Why can't I say it? Is it fetishization? Let me try to say it. <laughs> fetishization. Fetish- no, I don't think that's it. Fetishization. Fetish. The fetishment. <laughs> I don't know. But you got, you guys get the point. I'll have to Google that later. It shouldn't even have to be a word in the first place. Yeah. Um, uh, so I would say, like, for example, for me, red flags are, like... I really don't like narcissists. I don't know a lot of people who do, but that's a really big red flag for me is when people only talk about their own experience and especially if they're from a different culture are completely like there is no respect for me and where I come from and no acknowledgement of it. Yeah. So that's another red flag that I look for as an Asian woman, I guess. Um, what about what about if we remove the as an Asian woman part and we just say, what are some red flags that you look for? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, geez, there are a lot of red flags that I've just been like, okay, well, that red flag's looking really pretty, like a pretty pink. Mm-hmm. So Deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no more. No more of that. Um, I think that... I think, I think that when I see how people treat people in the service industry, like someone that you're dating, if you see them treating someone in the service industry with no respect, I have, that's a total red flag for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one would be that um, if a person were to think of me less than or think of others as less than mm. well I guess that that kind of ties kinda in, ties in. <laughs> kind of yeah. ties in with the service uh with how they treat service worker industry workers right yeah uh, to go along with that I would say if anybody expects me to become a housewife for them that's definitely a red flag because I like to go 50 50 on the bill sometimes too you know yeah. <laughs> like I'm independent and we're modern women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those. I think we got more than three. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I think that the dating questions kind of have me hung up because I was like, oh, red flags. Red flags kind of look pink to me sometimes, but now it's <laughs> don't like, they? Don't they all? Yeah, but now it's like you got to be firm with what you want and are able to um, uh, accept. Yeah. Yeah. And we shouldn't accept anything less than what we deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So that we should move on to the next question. Um, it looks like we still have one left. Uh, yeah, you can all, all topics are available. So which one would you like to choose? Uh, we'll go with community. Okay. Uh, community for 300 with so much diversity in our community it's easy for individuals and groups to get overlooked what would you say is one area that is currently overlooked in our community can you explain that yes i will expand on that yeah um for example there are hundreds of different ethnicities within the asian community and I think that oftentimes for example with among within this whole stop Asian 
hate crime movement. Um, a lot of East Asians are wearing the face of, um, of all these hate crimes that are happening against us because we look like the stereotypical slanted eyes, chinky, whatever, yellow skin, however people think of Just our awful. elders and us. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. It should not ever be happening, but, um, you know, it's, it's caused by hate. But at the same time, like, I feel like, yes, we have gotten some attention, um, especially in the East Asian community. Uh, we have a hotline and, you know, sure, we have a bill that doesn't really do much. But, um, like, that's one area that's really overlooked is there's so much diversity within our community. There could be people from Southeast Asia who um, are here and have different community community needs, such as different financial needs um, and small business needs, things like that. Um, yeah. Does that kind of help? Yeah, it does. I think that one area that we can work on, well, not we, but I think one area that needs to be addressed is how we are perceived in Hollywood. I think that there needs to be more representation of not just one group of Asian Americans, but um, all groups of Asian Americans. Yeah. I think that that will be helpful in acknowledging that we all don't have the same exact narrative and needs in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, representation, acknowledgement that there are, that there are, that, that there are certain needs that are not being met. Yeah, I agree. I think another thing is, um, it reminded me of a discussion we had earlier about white erasure when it comes to our historical roots in America as yeah. Asian Americans. And we don't really like see pictures of our, our people from like the 90s, the 70s, the 60s. You know, we don't see that. We don't yeah. see us in black and white really. So, like, I wish that we had more uh, historical presence. Um, not more historical presence, but I think maybe more historical presence in our textbooks, in our education, um, and more, yeah, representation in, in other industries and just more appearances. Yeah, um, and not, necess not the Hollywood whitewashed version of who we are, but yeah. actual true representation. Um, yeah. Oh, earlier, Britt and I were talking about, uh, the term Asian American mm -hmm. and how it was coined by activists and students and writers, uh, in the late sixties. Uh, and it was coined in order for us to embrace the, our cultural identity and the fact that we have two homes and um, as you know, that as everyone knows, power structures uh, were created by the white narrative mm -hmm. to sort us in categories. But these writer activists were like, um, well, we're not going to be called Orientals. We're going to be called Asian Americans because we're just as American. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so... And that's the photo that you showed me in black and white of the, um, I think it was the four Asian men. 
Yeah, there's this uh, picture Britt and I were looking at earlier, and it had these writer activists from the 60s, the late 60s, and they're in front of San Quentin Prison. And they're just in their, like, 70s or, like, 60s slash 70s cool um, attire, like, flare pants. <laughs> You're looking real groovy. Yeah, and I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah, that's what Vintage. I thought about when you yeah. said, yeah, when you said that you'd like to see more of, like, more pictures like that, more of us in history books mm-hmm. and, um, like, that, I think that's true across all the board for all minorities too. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so the Asian American, uh, like the activists were inspired by, uh, black power. It was from the civil rights movement, right? Yeah. 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 Um, when I saw that picture, uh, that Jen showed me, it was very empowering because I feel like there's so much, first of all, that picture was powerful. And, I think just being able to know that there were people who looked like me before me um, (laughs) historically that stood up for, you know, social justice and things like this and equality that that makes me feel it gives me some type of like it restores some type of power in me it's like there's a naruto inside of me that is (laughs) ready to run and yeah yeah, by my ancestors here and it's awesome um so yeah, okay, that was a good question. Yeah. Okay, so um, we have career and dating left. Uh, we'll go with career for 300. 300, do you think the obstacles facing Asian men seeking careers is different for Asian women seeking careers? Absolutely. Um, I think that it's true that men in general have it easier than women. Mm-hmm. And especially so in the Asian American community, uh, because Asian women are meant to be docile and quiet and um, and any sign of aggression or intelligence or um, a pain, being a pain (laughs) in the butt um, is looked down upon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and we're not taken as seriously. Oh, yeah. It's almost like we have to stay in our lane. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I'm just really having a hard time saying anything I want to say, so I'm really glad Britt's here to, like, <laughs> no, I tell me awesome what, job. I, what I mean. Yeah, um, but, like, going back to what you were saying about, like, I, I do think that Asian men also have different obstacles from us where, you know, they have expectations placed on them. Um, We, as Asian men and as Asian women, I think we're both expected to just kind of keep quiet. But I think with women, it's different because of the way that we're hypersexualized, even in the workplace, unfortunately. So we're nobody's secretary, but it kind of sometimes feels like it. And it kind of sometimes feels like we have to... Um, I don't know, like there's, there's some type of roles. sexual pressures that are placed and that shouldn't be necessary in yeah. any type of career path or career experience that I have experienced. 
and especially from white men who tend to be older um it's a very weird dynamic and i have to not only do my job but also keep that in mind and work to steer that energy away from that and while also not coming off as too aggressive so that i don't get fired you know what yeah. i mean yeah. so it's like a very delicate balance but yeah we we definitely have pressures like that um that i think our asian fellow asian brothers don't face yeah all right um so moving on to dating for 300 what (laughs) what is the ideal asian man and the ideal asian woman look like today is that in like what i think an ideal asian man would look like in the eyes of a different like someone who has a different ethnicity? I guess on a societal level. Like, what is the what is the ideal Asian man and the ideal Asian woman? Is this based off of, like, okay, so what society thinks? Yeah, like, what, what's ideal? kind of, like, trending right now. Okay, um, have you heard, oh, you probably have, but um, ABGs. Oh, yes, Asian baby girls? <laughs> yes, I I thought I was one for a little bit. I'm really? Not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't even fully know what that means. I don't either, to be honest. I think it's just I don't really know. Um, I, I, just I always think thought that it was boba. I think of like <laughs> you know, like the boba. lashes and the dyed oh, hair yeah. and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think that uh, a lot of people would think that an ABG is preferable um in terms of an in terms of an asian an ideal asian woman oh yeah but also that is like a part of the idea that the what the closest the the closer you are to whiteness Mm -hmm. the more the the more attractive you are and I think that that's what ABGs perpetuate. Yeah, like definitely Asians who are fluent in English, who have, um, you know, who are culturally aware and attuned and, um, I don't know, like listen to pop music, like that type of Asian girl, I feel like, and who is a model on the side, you know, yeah. <laughs> an Instagram model. I feel like those are what is kind of societally um they're kind of the hot commodities but yeah it's different because I feel like on the flip side for Asian men it's like Asian men have typically societally been rejected yeah um but now it's kind of yeah now it's kind of changing I've seen a lot more Asian men who um are you know being like oh like credited for their attractiveness i guess yeah Um, which is great to see yeah it's awesome it's awesome to see i know a lot of fans who love bts yeah uh that's a korean um yeah love to see that band yes uh but also yeah i think it's the ideal asian man is the one who kind of knows how to dress really well is very like has a very specific haircut. I, I have it in my head, but I don't know how to like explain it to you. But then it's also kind of hip. And why? Why did I think about a bowl cut? 
No, definitely not a bold. I don't think that one is the one that is society. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I, I thought think about a bold cut. It's more of like the opposite of that. Like yeah. the effortless look but still looks like doesn't fully look asian you know what i mean but yeah, like so closer to white yes yeah, <laughs> definitely the whitewashed asian girls and asian boys i think that's what's um considered attractive i think so too and even in hollywood the hollywood narrative of the asian man um they all look the same because it's palatable to every every other culture specifically yeah white people yeah so i haven't to be honest i haven't seen a lot in hollywood where the asian men are like like i'm attracted to them i'm like like i i watch it i'm like i know we have more attractive asian men (laughs) like i don't know why they're yeah i don't know (laughs) okay (laughs) but anyways we could talk about that forever yeah (laughs) All right, so I think that was pretty much um, all the questions. I I do have a bonus question. A bonus question. Yeah, it's kind of deep though, but um, we'll end off our episode with this last one. So this is kind of a bonus community question. Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, how secure uh, would you say our community is in America today? Uh, depending on what secure looks like. What do you mean by that? I kind of left it up for interpretation. So it could mean safe. How safe are we? It could mean in terms of like our, our access to resources. How secure are we? Um, I think that right now our community is stronger than ever because we are we are we want to connect with one another we want to uh embrace our culture and uh share our stories like how you and I want to share our stories mm-hmm. and uh though there are outside forces like uh, asian american hatred and um, lack of representation and lack of resources for a lot of our communities. Um, I think that within our community, we are stronger than ever. Hmm. So what's the number? Oh. (laughs) One being like, we have absolutely none, no no security um, in any dynamic, like no political, financial. Yeah. and then 10 being like, we have it all. Oh, definitely. We don't have it all. No. <laughs> um, I would have to say... All right, so I'm going to do two parts. So I think that as a community, we are at seven. We can definitely do better within our community. And I think that we're on the right path um, in terms of uh, how we are... Uh, like a broad a broad view of our community I would say four you know that's funny because I was thinking four too at first I thought five because we're kind of at this like um pivot pivot point yeah Yeah. where things are changing uh really for the better I think um but and there's a lot more awareness 
but we could do better. So I'm going to dock a point and say four because mm-hmm. I think we could come together more as a community. Um, I think one way to do that is for us to have more resources. Definitely more resources. Mm-hmm. Um, this this goes back to our conversation about how uh, the Asian, how Asian American, uh, the term Asian American was coined. And uh, as you know, it was coined in the late 60s, but it was still relatively quiet for Asian activists mm-hmm. um, up until the uh, Obama administration. Asian Americans were still fairly quiet as activists. And then uh, even more so during Trump's administration. And I think that that's why I believe that the Asian American community is stronger now than ever. Yeah, but, like, I agree with you, but it's, like, when I try to think of, like, role models, like, activists, like, I, it's hard for me to find them. And I think this is the whole reason why we wanted to do this podcast is we were talking about what it's like being an Asian American woman and how, like, we want resources and outlets to talk about these types of things, but we feel like we, there is none. Like, there's very far few in between and and it's just I I think we could do better I think I want us to have more um confidence as a community in ourselves and who we are and I know that's going to take time but um I want us also to be vulnerable about our experiences our struggles so that we can all come together and you know hopefully this discussion between Jen and I was um, interesting for you guys and you guys can take something to carry with you and hopefully even share with your family and friends and loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Britt. Everything that you just said, I do believe that we have a lot that we still have yet to work on. I, um, I'm just proud that we are finally on that path. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't have said it all better than how you said it. It was perfect. No, yeah, no, this, this is super awesome for Jen and I to be able to sit down and even talk about these things. Yeah. Um, I know, I don't know about you, Jen, but I don't have a lot of friends who I can, who feel, who I feel comfortable talking about this too. So... Well, besides Thank our you. listeners. But, yeah. yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm hoping this can be a safe space. And I know we have a lot of unpacking to do as a community, but, hey, let's do it together. And, um, and yeah, I, we are going to work really hard, Jen and I, to make sure that this space is going to be safe, comfortable, um, open, uh, but yet still vulnerable at the same time and um, always good content. Yeah, and our vulnerability really is our strength. Yeah, and and through this, we're we're gonna slowly take back our power. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. All right. Um, all right, you guys. Now you can uh, please put your shoes back on, and yes. there's the door, and <laughs> we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah, next episode. So stay tuned for episode two. Bye, y'all. Bye. Yay!